0: for the persecutor.
1: We are in the studio today with Steve and Debbie Walcott. They are longtime missionaries to Africa with Africa Inland Mission. Steve and Debbie, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have been serving for a long time in Africa. 1985 is when you went. Uh, talk a little bit about how God called you to go and serve in another country.
2: I grew up in Africa. My mom and dad were missionaries there. The influence in growing up there and their influence in taking us as kids to see uh, African people in different settings uh, put a desire in my heart to actually do the th- type of things that they were doing. So I would say that calling started with growing up there.
1: Having grown up in Africa, now having lived there and served there since 1985, do you feel more at home in Africa or more at home in the United
3: States?
2: I'm more at home in Africa than in the United States. Yeah, that's true.
3: I did not grow up on the mission field. (laughs) Isn't that often the story, right? But I did grow up in a Christian family where missions was a priority. Mm -hmm. And so even as a child, I'd visit my grandparents in St. Louis, and they had turned part of their house into apartments for missionaries that were coming back to the States for their home assignment or furloughs, as they called them back then. And I really got to meet some amazing people of faith during my visits there. And also just in and out of our own home, there were many people that we got to meet. and I, But I'd never really considered it for myself until university, when the Holy Spirit just seemed to be pointing me to, Debbie, have you ever thought about missions for yourself? And that was a whole journey. But um, in the end... The answer was yes. And um, so I've been privileged to serve with my husband in Africa for, well, we will be married 40 years this year.
1: Wow. Congratulations. I think it's really cool the way you said you you were exposed to missionaries, you know, staying at your grandparents' house, staying at your house— that's part of what we hope to do here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio is is have people sit down with a missionary for half an hour and listen to their stories and hear about what God is doing in other countries, hopefully to light that same fire that God will start to say, hey, have you ever thought about maybe God wants you to go to one of these countries? Debbie, I know one of the things that you're involved in right now is helping people heal from trauma. Talk a little bit about How that happens, how that works, but also why it's so significant in some of the countries where you're working.
3: That, too, to me is just part of the journey that the Lord has had both Steve and I on being involved in community health work, evangelism. When you go into a community and you start to talk to people, the deeper you go as you start to understand, okay, what is it that's holding us back? from going forward in life. It almost always came to a heart issue. So um, when we started hearing about trauma healing, and specifically the Trauma Healing Institute associated with American Bible Society, I went for training. And when I got into that training and started hearing about what a heart wound is, and who is it that experiences heart wounds? And how can we heal from that in a way that, as scripture says, we're taught to persevere, right? But we don't, so many of us don't understand what that means. And we don't know how to go from this place of being stuck to a place of persevering. It's been my privilege to be a part of American Bible Society now for the last five years and with the Trauma Healing Institute, traveling around Africa specifically working with groups of people and, and helping them understand, number one, how can I work through my own heart wounds, but then how can I help the people in my community also deal of their heart wounds from a strong biblical foundation, but then also best practice and counseling. Um, many people in the world are never, ever going to get to a counselor. And yet there's so much the church can do. And so the whole vision for trauma healing was to equip the church to be a healing hand, not a hurting hand, but a healing hand to help people. So that how, what does that mean? That means that when we work in Congo, as Steve and I are often in, in Congo, that now we can help the church know, number one, how to heal from what they've experienced, but then also how to help each other and the people around them. Right now, we're producing radio programs that cover the 13 lessons in trauma healing, healing the wounds of the heart. And we've been able to get these translated or do this in 22 different languages for Africa. So it means that we can go to the Central African Republic, and we can go to Congo, and we can go to Nigeria, and the many, many countries throughout Africa that are experiencing these pains, and help them deal with these situations.
1: We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Steve and Debbie Walcott. They are gospel workers in Africa. Uh, Debbie, I know there's probably a lot that you can't say, but are there some stories of people who have been impacted by this ministry? Uh, and I, you know, you mentioned Nigeria. I think about all the trauma of Boko Haram, all the trauma uh, of the attacks that, that we've talked about here at Voice of the Martyrs, are there some stories you can tell us of of how God has just brought healing into some of those situations?
3: Yeah, a good example would be in January we were in Burkina Faso, and uh, many of you may be familiar with the attacks that are happening against the church in Burkina Faso, um, while we were doing the recording, there were attacks. There was an attack that had happened, and 20 some people had been killed women, children, men. Um, the churches destroyed. The week after we were there, the same thing occurred. As we were working with our voice actors, there was a heaviness of heart, and yet each morning we started out with prayer, and it was an amazing time of people crying out their own personal pain, but also just praying to the Lord to step into the situation in Burkina Faso so that these attacks are stopped and to, for the Lord to comfort the many families. Almost all the families now have someone that they know, the Christian families, that has been affected by these attacks. As we went through the week of recording, by the end of the week, you know, the voice actors were saying to us, Wow, by working through this lesson, the Lord really helped me work through my own pain. And one lady said, you know, I haven't felt joy in so long, and yet this week I finally have experienced joy in the Lord once again as being able to to share these things with, you know, that are going to go out through Burkina Faso. Another person shared, you know, this story that I was acting, that's my story. Wow. And by acting this out, the Lord has taken me a step further in healing the things that I've experienced So the testimonies are many. Um, Steve, as he goes into CAR, they're doing trauma healing there. The stories coming back are amazing of people saying, you know, I know I've experienced God's healing in going through these things. And in fact, through the small groups that take place, we have listening groups, healing groups that we encourage people to, to form in their areas. You know, right away, we came back with reports, people are coming to the Lord. Christians that were calling themselves Christians are realizing, I never had that personal walk with Jesus. And now I know Jesus in a way I've never known him before. And um, accepting Christ as their personal Savior and personal friend to walk Mm -hmm. through life with them. Many stories.
1: We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Steve and Debbie Walcott. They are serving in Africa Steve, you have a story about a hunting trip that turned into an opportunity for the gospel, and I would love for you to share that with our listeners.
2: Many years ago, back in early 1990s, we were invited to go into the Turi Forest and go back in, into where a grouping of clans, the F.A. people, which, which previously were called pygmies, today we call them the F.A., we're joining together to form a large camp, and we were invited to come in and basically to share the gospel with them. during the day, I would go out hunting with, these, with the hunters from from the different clans. They used nets to hunt. they used bows and arrows. Uh, this particular day we we had the 22 and we were actually hunting monkeys. We got several several monkeys that day and for, for food right? for food, yeah, okay. yeah, right. yeah. I shot, shot several monkeys, and two of them got caught in the top of, top of one specific tree. And these guys took off, and I'm sitting in the jungle wondering, if I need to get back to camp, how will I ever do that? Um, they did come back, and they came back with vines tied around their waist, trailing behind them, and climbed, one of them in particular, climbed up a small tree and used his weight to pull that tree against a much larger forest tree and uh, tied that over and climbed to the very top of this tree. And these trees are about 150, 200 feet tall. And he's up at the very top of this tree where these two huge trees interact. Their leaves, their branches at the top are are crossing one another. And he ties these branches together, crosses over, goes down this tree and throws the first monkey down. And everybody claps and throws the second one down. Everybody claps. And he proceeds to make his way back, untying the vines that he'd used to tie stuff together. Got back to camp, and I was reflecting on what I'd seen and how he had used the vines to tie these branches together at the top of these trees and formed a bridge so he could cross over and get what he was after. And I was thinking about that and thinking, you know, Jesus has given us a bridge. He's provided the bridge for us to have relationship with God, and to restore the relationship that was broken through our sin. And so I presented that to them as a a story for that evening when we were sitting together. Twenty-two years later, I went back to that same area. This young guy came up to me and said, I know who you are. And he said, you're Steve. You came here and you talked to us back years and years ago. You talked to us about the bridge, that Jesus became a bridge for us. And I want you to know that I crossed that bridge and all of our family, our clan crossed that bridge. Wow. That's one of the highlights of my mission career was 22 years later coming back and realizing that a story that took place in the in the forest, a hunting story, became a story of redemption for these people and they were living that rede- that redeemed story in their own lives. A pretty cool um, experience it's to go through. Like
1: God patted you on the back. To yeah, it to was, let you hear. I it was very cool. That story. Very, very cool. Uh, Steve, I want to talk about the Central African Republic because we are partnering with you on some of the work that you're doing there. Uh, let's talk about the situation in the Central African Republic because it's one probably a lot of our listeners would have trouble finding on a map, uh, but also knowing the fact that there's civil war going on, knowing the upheaval that's going on. What is the situation in the country as a whole? And then more specifically, how does that affect Christians?
2: Yeah, basically, um, the country is in turmoil. The country is experiencing huge amounts of insecurity. And that's being propagated through neighboring countries, arming and encouraging militias, and primarily religion behind it, Islam, Islam behind the encouraging of these militias to come in and attack churches, attack believers, focused on trying to destabilize what what is happening in the country, destabilize the whole country, actually. And so you have lots of people who have been attacked, have had to run from their homes, have, have either become internally displaced people or refugees in another country, and just trying basically to survive um, as a result of these attacks and, and attacks based on religious religious motives,
1: you've lived in Africa decades, a long time. How have you seen Islam affecting the continent, or or how have you seen Islam gain influence in, in the continent over the course of those decades?
2: You know, we as a mission, Africa the mission, our founder had a vision of establishing a line of, a line of mission stations from the east coast to Lake Chad. And that line of mission stations was established as a barrier against Islam pushing south. I would say today Islam has breached that barrier and are far, quite far south already. In fact, they're, they're throughout the whole continent pushing their agenda, pushing Islam as a way of living, as a, not just as a religion, but as, a, as a, a focus of living really is what it is. And as part of that, they actually are providing schooling, free schooling to kids. They're providing medical care, and they're even going as far as promoting businesses, giving uh, people loans and interest-free loans to actually start businesses and promote Islam.
1: Steve, I appreciate you bringing out the fact that Islam is more than just a religion. It's a way of doing things. It's a way of living your life, doing your business, even running the society as a whole. For Americans, that's hard because we, we talk about the separation of church and state. We, we think of religion as being separate from other parts of our lives. Uh, unpack that a little bit for our listeners. How Islam is a complete system, uh, sort of not just a religion.
2: Yeah, it's it's a complete way of life. Um, it begins with their their five calls to prayer every day, what they eat, the way they enter enter a home, the right foot first, washing of their hands, the right hand first. the The whole system is it's a system of life. It's a way of life. And you know, I had a had a. A Muslim friend of mine in Uganda, when I was talking to him about Christianity, he said, "But Christianity is not a way of life." And I said, "Well, true Christianity is a way of life. Amen. True Christianity is a relationship with God. It's a relationship that I, a personal relationship that I have with Jesus, that becomes my way of life." And I think that we have tried to separate, like you, like you mentioned, we've tried to separate, or we have separated church and our other life here in the states, but a true christian we can't separate those things it's one thing we we live a life that's dedicated to following jesus and all of our life needs to be tied up in that not just not just our going to church but our whole being everything about us needs to be tied up in that
1: debbie do you see that on on the side of women as well because i i mean from my perspective i see islam as being oppressive to women you know cover yourselves, do this, walk like we want you to walk, dress how we want you to dress. Do you see that from the women's perspective as well, that Islam is is the way we live our lives?
3: I think there are many women that would say, yes, it is the right way for us to live our lives. And so they're totally in. And if you would try to say to them, oh, but you're suffering or you're being abused, they wouldn't see it that way. That's not what they understand from how they lived. And maybe they've always lived this way. And some of them are, are as devout to what they believe as we are to what we believe. Mm-hmm. And so it's part of their devoutness to live in this way. That's how they see it.
1: That's how they show honor to God. Exactly. I, I wear this covering because yes. I am honoring God. yes. Yes. So how do you, as as gospel workers, how do we as Christians speak to that with the love of Jesus Christ, with the gospel message?
3: I think the answer is love. And I know the answer is love, isn't it? God is love. For one example, we were doing community health training, and in that we had some Muslim people that had had taken part in that training because we had not asked for only Christians to come to the training.
2: Actually, some Muslim leaders.
3: Yes. And so when I first learned about Healing the Wounds of the Heart, I was so excited about it. I couldn't wait to share it with the people I knew. And so we were going back to the, visit this project, and um, I had opportunity to present Healing the Wounds of the Heart with this group. And so um, we just, again, invited our Muslim brothers to join us. And we just said right out, you know, we're going to be talking about Jesus because Jesus is the only one across all religions who claims to be and approved himself to be a healer. And that's what we're talking about. We want you to join us. We love you. You're our friends. Um, we know it's Ramadan. We'll break every evening at the right time. When it's time for prayers, feel free to step out and do your prayers. But, but please stay with us. And they did. Wow. And they became more and more involved in it. And one of them, when he got married, he married a Christian. And of course, she became a Muslim as soon as they got married. But he went home and he said, Where is that Bible that you used to have? And was just eagerly searching out all these verses that we were talking about to see are they really there in the Bible? Yes, they are. And by the end of our time together, We had one of the guys say, you know, I don't know what to do about my Muslim religion right now, but I know I have come to love Jesus, and I want to follow him. And the other man, a strong, strong, tall man, stood up and just put his hand over his heart and just kept kind of pounding there, saying, I never knew that I was loved in this way before. I've never known I was loved in this way before, so the message of love can go a long way if we're not afraid to show love.
1: Uh-huh. And the message of healing. I, exactly. I love what you said about Jesus being the only religious figure who claims to be and is a healer. What a great opportunity for us to introduce mm-hmm. people to the healer and the one who can bring healing. What are, on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, what are the biggest challenges to your ministry? What are the, the hardest parts of what you do?
2: I think probably the hardest part is balance, is balancing um, the different aspects of things we're trying to do, whether whether it's the, the trauma healing uh, ministry that Debbie's focused on and involved in, whether it's work in islands the of Lake Victoria that we're involved in, church planting, discipleship whether it's our engagement with the church in Congo in particular and also the church in Central African Republic, just trying to encourage those churches, um, strengthen them, encourage them, empower them, equip them. I think the balance of doing those things is probably our greatest challenge.
1: It sounds like you have about five full-time jobs, <laughs> or maybe five is on the low end.
3: I think, I think a big challenge is... When God calls you to step out and love people, it's messy, and we can't control the decisions that people are going to make um, for good or for bad. We can be there, but the amount of time that you can spend with people can can be really demanding. Mm -hmm. The challenge is to stay engaged, but also to recognize, okay, now I'm tired. I need to step back a bit, and just realizing that when i'm when i'm involved with people i can't dictate how things are going to end up you have to be a bit flexible and adaptable and have that firm commitment to love no matter what
1: That's Debbie Walcott, along with her husband, Steve. They've been helping us see the power of love and hospitality as we reach out to our neighbors with the gospel message. They've learned that during many years, serving the Lord and serving the people as missionaries in Africa. The Walcotts have so many experiences to share. We didn't have time to air my full conversation with them this week. Next week, you're going to hear part two They're gonna talk about some of the dangerous situations that they have faced as missionaries. And they'll show you how to take courage in the Lord when he calls you into what might be an uncomfortable situation.
0: Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.